This is the Fedora Chronicles News of the Week for March 21st, 2020. The COVID-19 Update. On this episode that was recorded on March 20th, Jason Cousineau and I, Eric Runderkink-Fisk, talk about the latest news that was relevant at the time of the recording. A special note to those of you listening, the situation has evolved and since we recorded, at least one of our facts is no longer true or simply out of date. In this episode, we mentioned that there haven't been a lot of young people here in the United States who have contracted the disease, but sadly that has changed. Also in this episode, we discuss what's going to happen to this country and our democracy with the special precautions that are being imposed. Will we still have elections in November? How does this measure up with other pandemics in the past century? How will this transform the world when all of this is over? Keep your chins up and your fedoras on. Things are going to get really weird. Stay tuned. So this is this is kind of like a special treat for me because once upon a time you and I used to talk every single night on the phone while either you were driving home or I was driving home from work. Yes. So a lot of things have changed since the last time we actually recorded an episode of the podcast and I'm not really sure where we want to begin. Well, I mean, do we want to tackle the elephant in the room first? Let's tackle the elephant in the room first. Let's let's see let's see which elephant is um because I, I think that there's more than one elephant in the room. Why, why don't you go first and then and then if, and we'll just go from there. Okay. All right. So um, the coronavirus. Yeah. Now just so our just so our listeners know, currently I am actually in Georgia. My oldest daughter is getting married this Saturday. Has been two days from today as we record this on Thursday. And we are staying in this wonderful airbed and breakfast. It's absolutely gorgeous. However, it is difficult for us because we wanted to go out and buy food. The whole point of staying in airbed and breakfast is that you can save a little bit of money by, you know, making your own breakfast, lunch, dinner kind of thing. But there's no bread to be found. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Literally the only bread we were able to get was a, uh, were these, they call them, uh, they call them finger sandwich loaves. So the bread is like a quarter the size of a regular piece of bread. They're like miniature, almost like doll-sized loaves of bread. Yeah. The only bread we, we were able to get. So... It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. It is. When we first went, we couldn't even find eggs. Yeah. But then we went grocery shopping again, we found eggs. And we just found out that on Friday, by order of the governor, uh, all the restaurants are no longer going to do dine-in. You have to get takeout. Yes. That's that's true, for, that, that's true for here in New England as well. Um, there's so many crazy things that are going on here in the Northeast um, or maybe all over the country, if not the entire world. And it's really hard to differentiate if whether or not this is justifiable precautions or whether or not this is hysteria run amok, because I I keep going hot and cold on this. 
Um, well, I do too. Now, I, a friend of mine sent me an article, and I'll see if I can forward it to you. Yep. Where they actually explain the thinking behind the um, all of these precautions in yes. terms of social gatherings. I wonder if it's now, the same article I sent you as well. You know, it might be. I haven't had a chance yeah. to go through all of the articles you sent me because. Yeah. You were kind of working overtime preparing for this. Though. Yes. Yeah, I was. <laughs> but they explained why, you know, the, the coronavirus or COVID-19 is what happens is you're, it basically it causes pneumonia. Pneumonia is fluid in the lungs and it causes your lungs to fill up with fluid. If you're healthy, that process can take several days to a week or more to fill up with fluid, right? If you're really healthy, your body can combat that as it's happening. And you just basically exhibit flu-like symptoms. You get plenty of rest, drink plenty of fluids, and you're good, right? Yeah. However, if you already have a pre-existing condition in your lungs, like people with asthma, for example, that fluid in their lungs, their lungs are not equipped well to handle that. And it can fill up in hours instead of a series of multiple days. Yeah. And that's where it gets dangerous, right? Now, the only way to treat that is by admitting people to the hospital and they basically suction their lungs. They basically clear the fluid out of their lungs and they give them this regimen of treatments, various treatments that get the fluid under their lungs, you know, depending on what's going on. The extreme cases are where they actually have to intubate and suck the suck the uh, fluid out. But the problem comes in is that it takes several weeks to recover from it. So the more people that end up in the hospital, the less hospital beds there will be. And the faster it spreads, the faster you're going to run out of hospital beds. So in Italy, the reason why the government basically said we're not treating anyone over the age of 75 or whatever it was they said is because they just don't the chances of recovery for people that old is not enough to justify denying the bed to someone who has a much better chance of recovery it's called triage in like war zones there's people who that's what their job is this person's very likely to die even with attention so we're going to see them last yeah this person's very likely to live if they get attention immediately. We're going to see them first. This person's going to live and they don't need immediate attention and they prioritize everything. And that's what Italy is doing. Now it sucks, but it is a logical decision. And unfortunately, in situations like this, that's what has to take precedent. You have to take care of the people who are most likely to recover. They have to have priority over the people who are least likely to recover, which means, for example, my second daughter's boyfriend was born premature and his lungs are not fully developed. So he doesn't have asthma. He has something much, much worse. He has a chronic lung condition. So, for example, she's when we get home, she's not going to be able to see him for two weeks until she's, she's been quarantined and verified to not have the virus because if he catches it, he's going to die. It's not a question of will he die or he has a serious chance of dying. 
if he catches it, he's going to die because there's no way his lungs can handle it. This is a guy who gets hospitalized when he has bronchitis. So... It's some scary yeah, stuff. So it's, it's the thing is, is that it's not the everyday. It's not. It's not. Let me see if I can I can say this without stumbling over my words. It's not just the people who are just otherwise healthy, like people like you and myself that really need to worry. It's the people who already have chronic lung breathing problems, people with asthma even people who have who have just elderly people who have lower immune systems it's a whole host of everyday people who aren't 100 percent healthy all the time people with chronic conditions and we're worried about accidentally killing those people with chronic conditions with a strain of the flu virus i guess that yeah. we do not have a herd mentality for, or a, I'm sorry, not a herd mentality, <laughs> a herd, a herd immunity to it. Like there haven't been enough people who have caught, there's not enough people who caught the coronavirus and have recovered from it and built an immunity to it. There's, there's no herd immunity to it yet is what is really the major problem. Cause this is a n- novel coronavirus. This is like the, we've never seen this before 2019. And that's, right. and that's the is, real, that's the real the problem. thing we need, we need to also bear in mind is that for most people who catch the coronavirus, they're going to be fine. They may or may not need hospitalization, right? But for the people we mentioned, anyone who's immunocompromised, anyone who already has the, uh, existing lung conditions, they're going to die for the most part. It's overall deadliness is less than SARS and less than even like the common cold. But for the right people, it's a death sentence just yeah. to catch it. And it's very, very easily passed between people. Like most, most viral infections, the virus dies within contact of the air within a few seconds. The coronavirus lasts a long time in the air. So, whereas masks can help because it lasts so long, the mask is not going to help much. No. That's why they're saying don't bother with the mask. Although, doctors are telling people if they, if they are sick to wear a mask, and it has nothing to do with healthiness or anything like that. It's psychological. Yeah, it's so that if you cough and you have a mask on, everyone around you is going to feel safer. It's just the, it's the illusion of safety to some extent with a lot of these masks. And the thing is, is that one of the reasons why you would want to wear a mask is not because you're trying to keep yourself from catching it. It's like if you have it, you don't want to pass it off to somebody who has a compromised immune system or already has chronic respiratory problems. The people who are really, really concerned about this and really scared about this, people who are self-quarantined, are the people who have chronic breathing problems. Or should be be the people, because there's always people, you know, there's people out there who have, you know, hypochondria that are like, they're convinced they have some sort of fatal lung disease already that 
yeah. science has been able has not been able to identify. I mean, you, you've always you're always going to have a certain population, a certain percentage of the population like that. But there are people who genuinely, it's 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 you know, otherwise they'd be fine. But if they catch this, yeah, they're gone. They're yeah. Gone. So it's scary. It's really scary. The impact of this on the economy. I mean, a lot of small businesses are being told to shut their doors, which means they have no income. Ex- yeah, exactly. I was listening to... And, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Um, I'm actually looking up Tiffany's last name. Tiffany was the contestant on um, uh, season one of Top Chef, and she's now... And that was like 15 years ago. And now she is uh, an owner of several restaurants in the Boston area. And I was listening to her being interviewed on WGBH radio um, while I was driving home about two nights ago. And she has a history of being a tough broad. Um, her <laughs> The first thing that she said on Top Chef episode one is I'm not here to make friends I'm here to win and she had just had this tough as nails abrasive personality to her and I followed this show religiously for the first couple of seasons and um, for her to come out and say quote I'm scared I haven't slept in three days. I'm terrified about what's going to happen to my employees, unquote. And here the little like tremble in her voice. It was this is this is serious. This is something that if this woman who is tough as nails and has this no this no holds barred approach, take no prisoners approach to everything. Um how scared should we be now granted now they certainly edited the show to make her look as loathsome as possible because it's entertaining um right when you say that you mean top chef yes the editors of top yeah. chef made her sound made her sound and look like she is but like a bitch yeah. and and one of the most famous lines to come out of season one top chef is i'm not your bitch bitch and for her to have this reputation of being a hard ass saying she's terrified for her employees yeah and since their doors are closed she's having family style meeting meals for all of her staff and their immediate family every night because you have to do something with the food that's in the fridge right Right, you can't let it go bad. Well, I mean, you can, but you know, it's just doesn't for a chef. That's anathema to their very existence. Yeah. Um, by you the know, way, her name. Yeah, her name. Her, her name is Tiffany uh, Faison, uh, and she owns several restaurants in Boston. Um, uh, one one of her one of her restaurants is Sweet Cheeks, a Southern style barbecue rest, a restaurant located in Boston. Um, and she and she, like me, she started work uh, in restaurants at the age of fourteen. Um, but she's definitely more successful at it than I am. That's for damn sure. <laughs> 
considering you haven't worked in restaurants for the late 20, the two, well, the 20 plus years that I've known you. Yeah. I'm going to guess that she's more successful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, now here's, here's the other thing, right? On top of that, Utah got hit by an earthquake of magnitude 5.7 or 5.8 depends on what article. Yeah. Is. Right now there's no, it's not like Salt Lake city fell apart, but there's structural damage to a number of buildings. Um, the photos that I saw, there was a number of buildings in Salt Lake City proper where the um, like brick facades have broken off and fallen and stuff. But more important to me is that the water main that runs underneath the Salt Lake City Airport broke, so the city is shut. The Salt Lake City Airport is shut down. I'm supposed to be flying into it in four days. Oh no! Yeah. So there's alternate plans. I'm not going to bother even calling the airline to find out what's going on until tomorrow because I can't do it on Saturday. Saturday's the day of the wedding. I'll just be freaking nuts. But, no, um, no, you got to you got to do what's right for your um for your daughter. Exactly, exactly. So I'll call them. I'll call them tomorrow because I'm yeah. pretty sure a lot of people are calling them today. So I'll call them tomorrow. I'll wait in line dutifully and find out what, you know, what's going on and what can they do for me. But, you know, it's just, if someone were to look at this from a certain perspective, it certainly could appear as if there are certain prophecies that are being fulfilled. So we're going to dive right into the metaphysical aspect of this. And yeah, I think, I think we can do both. (laughs) Because you know? the thing is um, that because the the, the thing is is that I mean I can just hear a lot of people like flipping through the book of Revelation saying, <laughs> well, <laughs> Wait, right. do I get my check or not? Do I get does Donald Trump does Donald Trump send me my check or not? You know, um, but it is well, it, the, it, it's it, go it, ahead please. It's well the the thing to remember is any mountain range is a fault line first of all right. And Salt Lake, the the Wasatch Front, which is the the front that is closest to Salt Lake City of the Rocky Mountains, is a very stable fault line. And what that means is not that it doesn't move, it's that it moves a hell of a lot, but very, very small amounts. We constantly have uh, earthquakes that are less than one on the Richter scale, right? which means that the only people who know there's been earthquakes are the people watching the Richter scale, Yeah, because we don't feel them. You know, so it's a very stable front. To have a front of that magnitude means something happened somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the very to to go full on not conspiracy theorist, but full on uh, metaphysical doomsayer. We are one of the stress reliefs for the Yellowstone caldera. Yeah. So. If that caldera goes off, that's an extinction level event. It sure is. And I, I don't know if we've actually covered it enough on this podcast. Whereas if you just do a search for Yellowstone caldera, there's a lot of people who say that this caldera is like a super volcano. And that when this thing goes off, it's going to set it's going to set a whole bunch of things in motion that 
is going to extinguish something like 90% of all life on the planet Earth. Starting with right. all the ash that is spewed into the air. And it has... Well, hold on. First of all, the caldera ahead. itself will be well over 100 miles across. In fact, the lip of the caldera that they estimate if it goes off full supernova will be within 60 miles of where I live. Yeah. Which means when it goes off, we'll probably have enough time to see it go off and then we'll be dead. Yeah. Right. But unfortunately the, the rest of the world is going to hang on for several weeks before they die. Yeah. Sorry, Jay. That's fine. (laughs) It's fine. So, I mean, when we say extinction level event, we literally mean extinction level event. Ninety percent of all life, all life on Earth. Yeah. The pe- the ones that are going to hold on the longest are going to be the fishes. So we're not talking about something like the sacking of the Library of Alexandretta, which set us back technology wise a thousand years. We're talking about we've got a life has got to basically reform from the oceans. talking several hundred million years of setback. Yeah. That is terrible. Kind of like that, the series. What's that? Kind of like the Shannara series. You know, the Elstones of Shannara? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of like, um, first you have this deadly disease, and there's a lot of things that are coming out in the me- media that I don't know, I don't know what to believe anymore. Um, and then there are like this, these earthquakes and not to startle anybody, but this is, this is something that's pretty, it's pretty terrifying when you think of all of these things happening all at once. If they just happen one, if they're well spaced, it's not a big deal. Well, I mean, it's a big deal for the people who are going through it, but it's not, it's not going to ruin civilization as we know it. Like if there's a if there's a series of massive earthquakes all over the United States or North America, we got to contend with those earthquakes and the coronavirus as it's, as it's sort of captured the imagination of the country already. We're well, all, not only we're already the imagination, but also the the steps we really need to take to combat spread of the coronavirus to eliminate the lethality of it are going to have a very, very serious impact on the economy of the United States. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, and you can say what you want about Donald Trump, and there's a lot to be said, good and bad. Yeah. But he may preside over what may be a very, I'll call it humbling blow to the United States yeah. that has absolutely nothing to do with any policies put in act by man. You know, and yeah. of course the other side is going to say, if he had reacted the way we told him to, things would be much better. But the truth is no one fucking knows. Uh, oh, absolutely. He, absolutely. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that back in December and January, it was, Nothing to be worried about. This is just a mild case of the flu. This is just a like a really bad cold. Nothing to be worried about. We are actually encouraged not to panic. Don't make a big deal out of this. 
we actually did an entire episode. We were talking about how the this news story had evolved and how a lot of people are starting to ask questions about the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Virology. Whether this was weaponized there and then accidentally got out, or even accidentally on purpose got out, because you don't know. Could be some James Bond level shit that was going on that went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also as a reminder, I will I will not forget the conversation that I had with a passenger when I was a was a Lyft driver and I was heading I was between um the exit for Fenway and the exit for was it was it Copley? And this woman and I were having a conversation about what do we do when we're not picking up strangers or taking rides from strangers that we, that we meet on the internet through this app. And she had told me that she was a doctoral candidate student. I'm not even going to tell you if it was MIT or Harvard. Because I don't want to get her into trouble. Mm-hmm. But she said the one thing that kept her up at nights is the decline of security and cutting corners in in protocol and some of these viruses that she's been studying getting out into the population and and she said it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and i have that conversation with her going through the back of my mind wondering right. whether or not is that is that what's going on and on top of that on top of that, earlier there was news earlier this week that another strain of the H1N1 or the N1H1 has been found in China, and we we don't know, we don't know we we don't know if we should be listening to the news and trusting the news sources out of China because they said that for two straight days in a row as of this recording there have been no new cases of um the coronavirus the coronavirus in the city of wuhan where this had originated at the same time one of the news stories that i had sent to you is that um the communist party leaders in china have expelled almost all Western journalists. And there are news items from the underground media of healthcare workers and emergency aid workers going into apartments and finding all the occupants inside dead from this virus. Now, what do we, what are we supposed to believe that, that, that the tide has turned and things are getting better in China or that things are getting much well, worse on, in China. Hold on. There is one there is one answer that is can maintain both the fact that what the underground media is saying and what the official reports are saying. There is one circumstance that fits both narratives. Hundred percent infection. Yeah. If everyone is already infected, then of course there's gonna be no new cases. And if everyone's infected, of course, they're going to find people who have died from the virus. Now, the thing that 
I don't get about this is, first of all, if there's extreme measures that have to be taken to combat the spread of this virus, this is where, and this is going to sound awful, right? a government with total control over the population is more able to implement measures to prevent the spread than a government of a free population. Oh, yeah. So a totalitarian regime is going to be able to basically order people to stay in their apartments and have their military standing outside ready to shoot people who violate that term. Yeah. Whereas here in the U.S., you've got people who are, let's say, just to pull an example out of thin air that has nothing to do with reality, some idiot decides that he's going to go to his daughter's wedding from hell or high water <laughs> and travels across country anyway, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And got to be honest, there's, there is a part of me that wonders if I'm doing the right thing. You know, there is another part of me that thinks it's going to happen no matter what. Right. You know, so as I understand COVID-19 from all of the more medically oriented journals and articles that I've read, all we can do is slow down the spread of it. We're never going to stop it. No. And on top of that, they're talking about there being waves of outbreaks between now and the next 18 months before they finally come out with a vaccine for this and everybody who's going to have to take this vaccine. Right. And there's also, um, I read one article or my daughter read an article where they're, they were actually doing human trials on a vaccine. Now, a vaccine is not a cure. A vaccine is a preventative measure. Right. And a vaccine, every vaccine is not 100% effective, right? So it takes a long time for vaccinations to take place. You know, so if you've never presented any symptoms of COVID-19 and you get vaccinated, it may not stop you from getting it because you may already have it and just you haven't presented any of the symptoms. Exactly. So it's not going to eliminate it. It's going to prevent you from from getting it. Right. So if you're completely healthy and do not have COVID-19, you receive the vaccination, there's a good chance you'll never get it. Now, like me and my family, we're probably already been exposed to it. Yeah. Very highly likelihood we've been exposed to it. Bless so, you, My office mate just sneezed. I have to say, bless you. Get out the alcohol wipes. <laughs> no, I mean, the thing is, is that, I mean, probably every everybody has been exposed to it or everybody has been exposed to somebody who's been exposed to it. Um, one of the right. news items that I had sent you, and this is one of the things that we wanted to talk about. This is from... I'm trying to think of the Imperial College. I think this is the Imperial College out of England. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't it wouldn't it be nice if I could actually like find out for sure? Um, if only you had the article right in front of you. I actually have the article right in front of me. I, it's like <laughs> I need to figure I need to figure out this Neil Ferguson character um, wrote this paper. I want to figure out. Because it says UK, so I'm just going to say that it is Imperial College of... Yeah, Imperial College London. 
and there's big, huge um, Imperial team model uh, models, the likely impact of the public measures of COVID-19 outbreak. And there's an article that um, from a couple of days ago, this is, there's the article that was written by um, Dr. S uh, Sabine L. Van Esland and Ryan O'Hare from March 17th. That's just the article. And then there's this, I don't even know what to call this thing. This is, this is a peer reviewed paper. It's 20 pages long. I'm not going to read the entire one. This is from the day before March 16th, 2020 impact of non-pharmaceutical interventions to reduce COVID-19 mortality and healthcare demand. And there's a long list of other, um, um, scientists who worked on this paper and he talks about the summary and he's talking about what what happens if we don't take the proper precautions and pretty much the conservative estimates are somewhere between three to one percent of the population dying from this and one to three percent of the population doesn't sound like a lot but the thing is is that here in the united states that could that could be several million people well let's do the math right one percent of the population the population of 330 million people one percent of that is going to be three million yeah three hundred thousand people three percent is going to be nine million nine hundred thousand people so if you know 100 people, two, anywhere between one to three people are going to pass away. Right. Um, and, that's, and that's sad. And those are, those are not, I don't think that those are, the odds get worse depending on your health status. Right. As we mentioned, people who are immunocompromised or who, who already have pre-existing lung respiratory conditions. Yeah this article goes on to state um, the kind of precautions that we need to take and how we can stem. Um, so casualties, that sounds kind of cold. How can, you know, how can we prevent so many people from dying? One of the biggest concerns is that hospitals are at, are going to be at capacity. Whereas is like you need a respirator, like you had said earlier, to help people with these with pneumonia that is one of the results. One of the results of having this flu, and there's just there's not enough respirators for people. If the well, not only is there not enough respirators, but the key components of those respirators are built in China, which is shut down. Oh yeah, that's another problem that we're having is that the supply chain. Tim Pool right. ha, Tim Pool has been talking about this off and on on his podcast for the past couple of weeks. Whereas China could very easily turn off all of our pharmaceuticals. Just, just. Well, I don't think we're as reliant on China for pharmaceuticals as some people think we are. I think we're more reliant on them for other forms of technology, right? Yeah. So one of the great things about the world economy is, you know, you can have people in areas of lesser cost of living, doing the lower demand manufacturing, which is fine and dandy. But if the entire world is relying upon one area and that one area 
as some form of natural disaster, like let's just say some sort of incurable disease that kills three to five percent of the population when right. they get it. And they have to shut down manufacturing to stop the spread. Now, the rest of the world is not getting anything from that. So what is going to be interesting, I believe we're going to get through this. All right. I don't think anyone has any doubt that, you know, in three years, COVID-19 is going to be kind of similar along the lines of how we discuss H1N1 today, which is right. to say we rarely discuss it, you know? So in two or three years, COVID-19, we may have cultural impacts from it. Yeah. In other words, you know, we're going to learn how to make toilet paper a lot faster for example, because <laughs> yes. people get a respiratory illness and suddenly they've got to wipe their ass a lot more for some crazy fucking reason. So, it's because, um, was it Scotty Roberts who had said this, the reason why there's a run on to- toilet paper? Um, every time somebody else sneezes, somebody shits themselves. Is that? Yeah, that, that, that probably, that's pro- that's, that makes the most sense of, what, of anything <laughs> I've heard. But, um, but also, like our models, the, our manufacturing models right now, we're extremely reliant on China. Well, China obviously can shut down its doors whenever they want for whatever reason they want. In this case, it's valid. But what if they get a new chairman, right? Or whoever, whatever they call the guy that's in charge over there, right? And the new president of China decides, I don't like the West, I shut it down. Boom, and they close off all manufacturing. Then what? Now what are we going to do? Well, their country would most likely go bankrupt. But what What if they don't care? What if they decide we provide enough food and water, we are, not going to, we are no longer going to contribute to the world economy? That's scary. It is, but that's essentially the case study of what is happening right now. They've shut down. For health reasons, they are no longer contributing to the world economy. How is that going to impact us? Obviously, immediately, it's not much. But three months down the road, like, for example, just to pull another another uh, hypothetical situation out of the air that has nothing to do with reality, say Monday or Sunday, I had gotten drunk off my ass on the Kraken and decided to go canoeing and fell out of the canoe into the lake that I happened to be staying next to. And I had my cell phone on me and then I had to buy a new cell phone the next day. Yeah. Just as an example. Not, not, oh, well, congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) But in six months after COVID-19 were those stocks, of cell phones are going to be severely depleted. Mm-hmm. So those stocks of cell phones are going to be depleted. So now are we going to be able to repair the cell phone? You can't repair cell phones that have been, the modern cell phones are designed to be replaced, not repaired. You can repair, repair a screen on a cell phone, but any of the components inside are not designed or intended to be replaced. If you screw up your cell phone, the thought is you're just going to get another one. Right? Right. Depending on what's wrong. So if you're an idiot that gets drunk and falls into the lake, you've got to buy a new cell phone because you ain't going to dry it out. No. And get it working again. 
right? Even if they do, it's going to act weird, right? So eventually you're going to have to replace your cell phone. But now all the cell phone manufacturing, or the vast majority of it, is happening in a place that's no longer doing it. Now what? Where are you going to get your cell phone? Now on the surface of it, hey, that's a first world problem. Who cares? You can live without a cell phone. Yes, you can. Well, what's your quality of life life like now because you don't have a cell phone? I don't have a house phone. The cell phone is how people get in touch with me, cell phone and email. Now extrapolate that. Most motherboards are built in China. What happens when your computer dies? Right? Hard drives are still built outside of China and memory is built depending on the, the where you're getting the memory. But now the supply is being cut. So what happens with the supply and demand in economics? Now shit's going to start getting a lot more expensive. And on top so of that, these, yeah, yeah, go ahead. On on top of that, because everybody here in the house, everybody is home today. Mm-hmm. Everybody is you. Everybody is using laptops today. Every, my mm-hmm. um, my wife, my wife is working from home. I have the the day off thanks to my schedule. The boys are doing schoolwork on their laptops. What if something, God forbid, something happens? And we need to go get a new laptop right now because one of the spares is also dead. And there's probably going to be a run on technology. That's probably going to be the next thing. And if China is not exporting the technology that we've taken for granted for the past 40 years, then what? If you don't have a working laptop or a Chromebook, especially a Chromebook with the, with, with the kids in school, you're going to fall behind in school. And if this thing is going to be going off and on for the next 18 months, there are some kids that are going to fall through the cracks. There are some kids who don't have, there, there, there are some kids who are just so poor, the family can, cannot afford a well, you're not, Chromebook. You're phone. also not thinking things through. No, I'm not. You said, thank, you said right now you have, thankfully you have the day off. Where do you work? You work in a manufacturing facility. Yeah. How many people are on shift with you? At least. Is it more than 10? It's more than 10. So according to who? The World Health Organization. Yeah. Your manufacturing should be shut down. No, we're we're taking extra precautions. Like everybody's spaced. That, yeah. But what I'm saying is, according to the recommendations of the health organization's Anything more than any gathering of more than 10 people should not be allowed. Right now in the United States, they're leaving that up to people. But give it a few weeks. You may have the government telling the people who own your your facility, we need you to shut down this to help us prevent this further spread of this virus. We will give you a tax incentive to shut down, shut your doors for a certain amount of time. Yeah. No, they're getting a tax incentive for that. There's nothing in that tax incentive that says they have to pay you. Or maybe it does. I don't know. Yeah. It depends on how the government chooses to handle things, right? And that's where you've got, like, the people in the government, for the most part, everyone who works in the government, whether they're nominally as conservative or a progressive, believes that government is able to provide the solution. If they didn't believe that on some level, they wouldn't be involved with government. 
the reality is people like Ron Swanson don't exist at the federal level. Right? No. So what are they going to do to incentivize the company, right? Some people are going to say, you know, the government will provide a temporary paycheck to people who can't go to work because the work is being shut down. And companies are going to hear that and say, woohoo, we've just cut our most expensive operating costs. We don't have to pay people. Now, I know people who work in healthcare. One of them works at a facility that is never going to see a single case of coronavirus. They're not going to see a single one. Why? Because they're not the kind of facility that's going to deal with that. There are certain types of hospitals. The hospital this person works at is a specialty hospital and is not ever going to treat COVID-19. But because of COVID-19, they're being told they each have to take on extra shifts at work and they're not going to get paid overtime for it. I just, I just don't know what to say about that. Well, it's corporate greed, right? This is where you've got bean counters for like, oh, look, we can take advantage of this and save ourselves money. And that's going to cause problems down the road. Now, do you think any single one of the medical professionals who are suddenly going to be working more hours and not getting the pay they are used to getting for working those hours, do you think a single one of them is going to say, after all this is over, you know, this is a great place to work. I'm going to stay here. I don't think so. I don't think so either. They're going to leave. You know? And this is where there are always unintended consequences to every action. Now, COVID-19 is out there. How it got out is really kind of irrelevant at this point. Why it exists is really kind of irrelevant. How is this going to impact the world? And what lessons are we going to learn from it? Well, I think, you know? I think the thing is, is that a lot of people are going to start looking at consumerism and say, do we really need to buy all of this crap so cheaply that's made in China? Do we really need all of this crap? I mean, we're going to start looking at the way, like consumerism is. Right, and that's something that's going to be asked by individuals. But companies, like my company is a tech company. We completely, 100% rely on cheap, cheap computers, laptops, phones, um, the accoutrement for phones, you know, the headset yeah. and stuff like that. My company is 100% reliant on that for doing our jobs. That's how we do our jobs. Do you think a company like mine is going to be willing to say, we can, we'd be willing to fork out more money for that stuff? Of course not. As individuals, as a person, you can make that decision for yourself and your family. Mm -hmm. But the company you work for is absolutely not going to want to pay more for what they've been paying less for. You know, are you willing to pay a dollar or more a gallon for gas? Well, no, I mean, I'm not. But that's my point. Right. It's things like that. It's not that, that I have a choice. Right. It's not that I have a choice, though. That's the other thing. I don't, you don't. Right. The, 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 price, the price of gas is the price of gas. Whatever the market demands, you're going to pay. You're Let me not, ask you this, though, Eric. Yeah. How many people do you think work in a shift in, the, in a refinery for oil to refine it into gas? I have no idea. It's a lot, Is though. It more than 10? It's probably more than 10. It's more than 25. 
spending on the oil refinery. Yeah. I drive past two when I go into Salt Lake from where I work. And at least one of them has, I would say, well over 150, 200 people per shift. And they're being told to shut down. So what's going to happen to your price of gas? By the way, I think this is the perfect segue to a series of articles from Bloomberg. And these, what terrible oh, good. He dropped out of the race. He's writing articles again. <laughs> no, these, these are, these are, <laughs> these are, um, these are from colonists in Mike Bloomberg's organization. Bloomberg.com. And what bothers me is that Mike Bloomberg is a bit of an author authoritarian. Mike, Mike, Mike Bloomberg thinks that larger government is the answer for everything. So long as he's in charge. So long as he has a seat at the table, he right. thinks he, I mean, and what scares me is that even, I mean, the DNC was willing to sell their soul to allow Mike Bloomberg to be on the debate stage. They changed the rules to suit Mike Bloomberg and they changed the rules to exclude people like Tulsi Gabbard. Not that's this is we're not going to get into that for very much. There's a couple there's a series of opinion articles, especially policy, um, politics and policy section. Um, one headline to an opinion article. Coronavirus will revive an all powerful state. Much maligned in recent years, big government will come back and with it, the potential for both greater good and evil. I'm not even going to um, insult this poor woman's name by trying to pronounce it. Um, and this is actually a second article in a two-part series. She's basically talking about how the only way that we're going to get out of this, the only way that we're going to be able to save civilization is if large governments are allowed to have supreme executive powers and do things that were unimaginable a couple of months ago. See, and that's, that's what I was talking about earlier about the unintended consequences, right? People are going to see this up as an opportunity in the private sector. You've got corporations who are saying, okay, even though we have nothing to do with the coronavirus, we see an opportunity to save ourselves some money. And we're going to use it to save money because we need to raise our bottom line. The stock market's already in the shitter. I don't know why they care right now. Stock market's in shitter. They've had to do two circuit breakers in the past week. Yeah. Where they've had to halt all trading to prevent a runoff. Yep. Okay. So we're in, what do they call it? A bear market right now, which is bad. So, um, it's only natural that the opportunists that are in public sector, i.e. the government, are also going to take advantage too. Because like I said, a purely authoritarian government is able to contain things a lot better and more efficiently than a less authoritarian government. So you're going to get a lot of people pointing at China saying they were able to stop the spread of the virus. We need more authority so we can do the same thing or people are going to die. And then when you say, well, what about my freedom? They're going to say, is your freedom more important than the lives of innocent children? 
just talking to Harrison here, asking him to not yeah. not touch not touch this cable that's coming out here. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Oh, it's not loose. It's fine. Um, yeah, and that's the joy of the coronavirus is all this togetherness that we're enjoying. <laughs> Can you sense the sarcasm in my voice? What is absolutely yeah. what for me is bothersome is the notion that there is so much demand for the government to do something step in and take care of people make sure that stop with the evictions stop with the foreclosures your 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 electricity is and other utilities are not going to be shut off even though you can't pay the bill and you haven't paid the bill in weeks or months Government's going to step in and make sure that everything continues to run smoothly. Meanwhile, you have to shelter in place. You can't go anywhere. There are people, including people like Tulsi Gabbard, who say this is an emergency. People are not able to go to work, not able to make a living. We're going to have to have universal basic income during this emergency. Not in perpetuity. And once you let the genie out of the bottle. Once you let the genie out of the bottle, people are going to start demanding that they have universal basic income based solely on your Anthony, needs. Anthony Yang's kicking himself right now. Damn it! I should have stayed in the race! <laughs> um, and then you have obvious censorship. And, I, and, and I, I actually created the show page and I think I sent it to you. I don't know if I sent it to you in time or not. From Business Insider... Facebook is wrongly blocking news articles about the coronavirus pandemic. And there are a couple of other stories that I've linked to, whereas um, people are calling out big tech firms like Google and Facebook and Twitter for deleting people's links to articles. I have, I think I counted 12 friends on Facebook and in some of my conspiracy theory groups that I belong to, people have said that they have seen posts about the coronavirus being deleted for no good reason. Specifically, people are posting links to articles about how, how to get through and maintain your mental health while dealing with the coronavirus. And those articles are being taken down. Turn your Christmas lights back on to show solidarity during the coronavirus. Well, lucky for Carol and I, we we've we haven't taken ours down yet at all. It's not Easter yet. We don't take down our Christmas decorations until Easter. That well, we don't take down our Christmas lights until Easter. Um, and it is it is it's terrifying how people are seeing links to the articles that they're sharing on social media being taken down. And and then on the other hand, you're asking government to step in and provide for people. And I think that what we're seeing here is the unintended consequence of an American totalitarian state that is far worse than anything that we've complained about, even on this podcast for the past couple of years. Um, and people are asking the government to step in and control the media and make sure that people like, like us are being responsible with what we share. Um, I don't want to talk about how I started to get a little teary eyed when I was walking through some of the aisles in the grocery store and the, like oh, the yeah. entire the pictures, the entire bread aisle 
is completely empty with the exception of like the sweet stuff, the cakes and the, and, and the, 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 the Twinkies and stuff. That's most of that's still on the shelf, but the, the basic necessity bread is off the shelf. All the paper products, if there's any at all, there's a sign that says only two per customer. Which means that now that now they're only selling single rolls of toilet paper. I tried to buy two rolls of toilet paper and one roll of paper towels. And when I got to the line and here's the thing, I didn't even think about this until I actually got through the checkout line and the woman behind the counter who I've known for years, she says, no, seriously, we can only limit two per customer, meaning one roll of toilet paper and one roll of paper towels or or two rolls of toilet paper period can you can you bang your bowl just a little harder i don't think our audience was able to hear you eating is that your second or third bowl of cereal <laughs> okay wait you haven't had breakfast yet See, this is and this is one of the joys of 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 doing homework or doing school at home. You can have breakfast whenever you want. Your teacher is talking. Your teacher is talking right now, and you're having a bowl of cereal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. You know what I? Yeah, but so, it's just it's it's absolutely it's scary to think about what's going on thinking about the consequences of what's going on, right? And how is it going to affect us? Now, people are certainly taking advantage. Now, like I said, in the private sector and in public sector, people are taking advantage. We need to, we need to vote emergency executive power to the emperor. I mean, the chancellor. The chancellor. <laughs> I mean, the federal government, you know? Because how could that ever go wrong? Oh, exactly. How are you going to take that power back? Are they gonna? Are, are they gonna? You know, voluntarily say, "Oh, look, crisis. Uh, we've got COVID nineteen under under control, so we're going to eliminate all of the stuff we were doing." Well, there's going to be an outcry. People are going to be like, "Well, just because the virus is done doesn't mean that you know I'm recovered." You know. It's just, I don't know what to say about that. I don't either. Cause at the same time, there are people who do need, who are going to need help through this. Is you this, know, excuse me. Is this an appropriate time for a really bad impression of Donald Trump's, you know, I don't think it's ever a bad time for a really bad impression. Of we are going to have the most amazing totalitarian state the world has ever seen. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. All the other dictators say to me, they do, They really do. They really say this to me. You have the most awesome totalitarian state I have ever seen. You need to have a parade. We're having a parade. We're having a military style parade <laughs> in my honor. That's right. Emperor Trump is having, did I say that out loud? Did I say that out loud? Did I tell everybody my plan? Okay, it's the most amazing plan for a totalitarian state and you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. 
You're going to be able to work from home, make a little money, worship me at the altar in the corner of your living room that you're going to be obligated to have. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it just... Oh, and, and... It's fun fun to make fun of it, but the reality is, you know, in a year, are we going to recognize our country? If this keeps going the way it is, and if I wanted to sort of the other elephant in the room that I wanted to talk about is specifically talking about the, the election, the primary that we're having right now. Whereas we're being, we're still doing that. We're still, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Um, So you have somebody like Tulsi Gabbard who says we should hold off on the primary because we don't want people, we don't want the elderly people to congregate with other people who might be infected and get all these people sick because voting places are a great way to pass around colds and flus. And the uh, and the sick and the elderly are going to be hardest hit from all of this. We should we should suspend voting until we have a better idea if this has been contained or not. Then you have Tom Perez and his 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 two headed two faced mouthpieces, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, saying we got to have the elections, we got to have the voting, take precautions, be careful, but go definitely go and vote. You got the the mixed messages. Donald, getting rid of Donald Trump is so important. You need to risk your health, and if you die, you die for a good reason. Trying to get rid of Donald Trump, right? And I'm paraphrasing. While at the same time, we also have to devote emergency executive power to the chancellor. Exactly. We have to make you know, sure just, Trump's got to. We got to make sure we have the right chancellor in place before we do that, though. Exactly. That's not an unfair criticism either. That's not. They're talking about suspending elections. They're uh, um, primary voting between now and perhaps June. They're thinking about canceling the convention that's supposed to be in Milwaukee. I think it's July 24th is when it starts. They're talking about doing a lot of things, like just shutting down everything you can possibly think of. Baseball, I believe baseball has been canceled for the foreseeable future. Many sporting events are being canceled yeah. or they're or they're been postponed. The Boston Marathon, I think the Boston Marathon was supposed to be today or yesterday. It's been postponed yeah, until September. It's until September sometime. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people... And I, of course, I'm in Georgia, so down here, they're all upset about NASCAR. Yeah, NASCAR has been postponed. Now, the $10,000 question is, is that don't you want the warmer weather and people to be out in the sun and getting... I mean, there's well, that's just it. Being it, out in the warmer weather, just because we're not gathering together doesn't mean we can't be outside, right? You know, 
it's just the whole this whole thing the world is just not prepared for we're not we are just not prepared for it now you've got the people who are screaming big government has the answers right we need to have a more authoritarian government that otherwise would have scared us in order to combat things like this. Yeah. And it's just like how many bombs have been stopped by taking off your shoes at the fucking airport. I don't know how many, none. There's not been one single bomb knife, anything found in any shoe at the airport, but we're still taking our shoes off at the fucking airport. I'm, I, I will be facetious and I will say that we know of because another which aspect is, of which this, is, which is fine, but there's another aspect to this, Jay, because there's a lot of people and my, and I, I include myself in this that honestly, I honestly don't think that we're being given the full truth. I don't think that we're being told how, like, like we, I don't think anyone knows the full truth, dude. How many how many people are actually sick with this virus here in in New Hampshire, for example? Are we are we being told how many how many people are actually sick? And do we have a right to know how many people are sick? I don't know. I don't know if that's. I think that people have a right to privacy but at the same time we don't need to know their names we just need to know if they're if they have it if how the numbers of people that have it i don't i think that is good information yeah right like for example we know like from friday to today coronavirus now exists in every single state in the union. Yeah. Friday it didn't. Today it does. But at what point is too, at what point is, is there too much information? Do we need to know every intimate detail about the actual numbers of the people who have the coronavirus who what are the numbers? Because the thing is, is that on the one hand, I'd like to know if whether or not we're overplaying our hand. Are we, are we doing too much? Are we going overboard or are we not going overboard enough? We're not doing enough. And how many people do you actually know have been diagnosed with the virus? I don't know of anyone. I don't know of anybody. I don't know of anybody. I don't know of anybody who's been diagnosed yet. I know that I have friends who are sick, but I don't know if it, if they if if it's the coronavirus. I don't know. And yet on the other hand, maybe maybe we shouldn't know cuz maybe it would be a bad idea to tell, "Oh my god, there are 400 people who died in New Hampshire yesterday." of the coronavirus and it's totally completely out of control and the hospitals are overrun. And of course my oldest son, while I'm recording the podcast, my oldest son had to come in and, and, and check on, check on the, the, the lizard. What's up? All right. So that, so the problem is 
is that on the one hand, you want to know what's the truth. How many people are actually getting sick with this? On the other hand, you don't want to cause a panic because if we actually knew the facts and we knew how many people were sick and the number is astronomical, people are going to be freaking out and demanding that we, quote, do more. And it's like, if and you, that's just it. It's, it's what we need is a circuit breaker in social media, much like they did in the stock market because emotions are running high. And what we need is for everyone to just Take a stop, take a breath, breathe for a second, and say, okay, listen to what's being said. Yeah. Do you agree with this? Okay? And before you answer, don't touch social media. Don't do anything other than, like, have a cup of coffee, take a shot of crack and rum, you know, just fucking relax, chill for, like, 15 minutes. Then go back and just read one statement. Yeah. This statement. We need to vote exert emergency executive powers to the chancellor. And determine, is this a good idea? Right. Is this something I agree with that I think we should do? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there are opportunists. And opportunists, by their nature, are going to take advantage of the opportunity which is why we call them opportunists. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it, it drives me nuts because people get into panics. People stop thinking. Yeah. Right? And when enough people stop thinking, those opportunists get their way. And you can't take power back from the government name one power that we've taken back from the government in the past 150 years i can't one. i cannot think of any right now i'm sure that there is probably an example or two i mean the thing is is that we are we're not living in under quasi martial law we don't have yet. we're not yet but the thing is is that there were there were th- but that's what they want that's what the, when they say they want more power for the central government to prevent the spread of the coronavirus, that's what they're saying. We want to declare a modified form of martial law. Well, before you even go any further with that statement, I want you to define exactly what that means. I want you to define the conditions wherein you will turn, get rid of that power, when you will absolve yourself of that onerous responsibility of power that you so crave. Right. And if you're going to do that, you need to make sure everyone knows that. Everyone needs to know what power you're taking and how long you're going to have it. And there can be no ambiguity. There can be no ambiguity. Like, why do you need to? It can be when it makes common sense or when it makes sense for us to turn it back over, we will. Because you'll find a reason to not turn it back over because that's the way power works you meaning the government you meaning the the, the president or whatever meaning whoever whoever in the government is saying it you know whoever in the government is saying that they need to define exactly what powers they want with the gift and no ambiguity of language specifically we want to activate the national guard we want to put them you know we want to ration 
toilet paper to people because apparently people can't be trusted to trash on their own toilet paper. You know, whatever. No, that's not, that's not a joke, though, are. Jay. That jo- Jay, that's that's not that's not a joke because you will see people filling up their shopping carts with toilet paper if given half no, the chance. No, I understand that. I understand that, but at the same time, that's what I'm saying. What are these powers that they're saying they want the government to have? And under what circumstances are they going to give that power back? When and uh, how are they going to take it? When and how are they going to determine they no longer need it? Because I think the answer is going to be, the answers to those questions is, as much as they can possibly get away with. That's the answer for question number one, and never is the answer for number two. And that's exactly it, because that's the nature of power. Because I'm pretty sure that there are some people in Washington, and there are definitely people within my own state government that would like nothing more than to shut down certain podcasters. Oh, absolutely. And, and go even even beyond that stuff that directly affects you and not right yeah. anytime someone wants more power for the good of the people I get more suspicious because the one thing that they're not telling you is the truth and you can count on that because we don't we don't know the exact numbers we don't and not not just not just United States, but looking at like China. We don't know if China is lying to us about the numbers of people who are getting infected. How many people have died? Iran. One of the news items that I had from a, a previous episode that we didn't talk about last week because we were all wrapped up in it, it, talking about um, whether whether or not Joe Biden has dementia or not. One of the news items that I wanted to talk about is that spy satellites or just satellites in general are able to see mass graves being dug in Iran outside the city of Tehran that are are as long or longer than football fields. We don't know the death toll in Iran. And maybe and we also don't know why either. We don't know. We don't we know. Assume it's COVID nineteen, but we don't know. No, we don't. Mm. We 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 don't know anything. And yeah. we're talking about governments that have habitually lied to us in the past. Yeah. And on, never lied to us. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, what? Really? Iran's their religious never, regime. They're not going to lie. It's against their religion to lie. <laughs> That's cray cray talk. Um, but <sighs> it, it because the thing is, I can and I'm a podcaster and I'm an advocate for the Second Amendment. I believe that up until now, you should know exactly what the government is doing. No holds barred. I want to know. I want, like for a perfect example, I want to know what the CIA is up to when it comes to conducting ex- experiments on people with LSD through MK Ultra. 
and whether or not right. they're still because I, I I I think that whatever they call it now, whatever they call it now, I think that we have the right to know if is the CIA was the CIA abducting people since they said MK Ultra was shut down. I think we have the right to know no. that. I think we well, have a no, right. Here's, here's the other thing, right? With these emergency powers that they're talking about, the government needing more authority. Are they going to say we need to temporarily suspend the Second Amendment? That's not an unfair question to ask. Are they going? Are it's they also, going? Also, you can also see the justification for doing so. Sure, you can see them saying, "What's to stop someone in a moment of desperation from going and killing their neighbor in order to get their toilet paper?" It's funny how. It's not funny joking about toilet paper is now. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I, I'm using toilet paper because we know that's something that is in in less supply right now. And I'm doing it. It's I'm not necessarily doing it to be funny. I'm doing it more because we know that there's less of it. But what if it's bread? What if it's, you know what I mean? Because if you say, you know, would you shoot your neighbor to ensure your family can eat and take your neighbor's food? Some people would say, hell yeah, I would. And feel completely justified. Yeah. Would you shoot for toilet paper, though? You know what I'm saying? It's easy to see how a slippery slope can start. And whenever people start talking about making the government more authoritarian, I immediately my gut reaction is to say hell fucking no that is my gut reaction because this is why do you need that power why do you need that authority and start asking questions you know but there's so many people out there go that are in such a panic that they'd be like yes as long as they, they're going to take care of us and yet no no they're not they're going to take care of themselves is what they're going to do and if it's expedient for them to appear to be taking care of you, they'll do that. But they're going to take care of themselves. They can't. They're the government. They have to. Do they? Do they have to? You have to breathe. You have to eat. You have to sleep. You don't have to take care of your children. Most of us do. Right. Because of societal pressures, because of the way we are raised and all that other kind of stuff. But that is not a necessity. Necessities are things you need to live. It's odd because I, just because someone's in a position, they, that position implies and confers yeah. them no additional necessities in life. It's funny because the thing is, the beeping that you hear in the background, um, somebody is calling us from Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and I don't know who it is. Oh, jeez. You want to put you on hold and see? No, I can't accept it now. Okay. Because it, it bothers me. Yeah, we got to yeah, we gotta, we gotta start winding up anyway. But, but I mean, I so... do with the family. What's that? I got stuff I got to do with the family. I know. Um, and one of the things, I mean, I, I wanted to actually talk about the controversy that sort of erupted on our forum on Facebook um, this past weekend. Um, you know, and it was... Um, Maybe we should just save that for another time. But I did. I I wanted to just sort of like acknowledge the fact that yeah, we we um it ha this thing happened, 
and I do want to talk about it, but I don't think today's the day that we're going to do it. Um, yeah. And I and I another time here. So. And I and I do think that um, just to sort of like put a pin in this, I think that people should be concerned. I think that people should be taking this seriously, but at the same time. I don't think that people should be in a panic quite yet, but just be mindful. If listen, if you're at home <laughs> and you have all this time off, now would be a great time to read the Constitution and literally read the Constitution and right. read the Bill of Rights. Go online. Take a couple of hours today. Take a couple. Yeah. Take a couple of hours this week and actually read fact, commentary make on. It a, make it a family event. Read the Constitution with your kids and see if they understand it and see if you understand it better for having to explain it to them. And maybe that would be the title of this podcast in the mid of the coronavirus scare. Now's a good time to catch up on the Constitution. Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, is anyone who's calling for more power to the government are those calls for power something that is, first of all, in accordance with the Constitution? And what parts of the Bill of Rights are you willing to give up for the appearance of help and assistance? Yeah. Because you're not getting any genuine assistance. That is Anything you're getting is a Band-Aid. You're getting handouts, not a hand up. Yep. All right, Jay. Yeah. Well, then I'm going to actually leave it at that because obviously we all have a lot more to do. Um, <laughs> especially in light of everything that's going on right now. So, Jay, stay, stay, stay safe and give me a call and let me know when you get home and, and let me know how your, how your home yeah, fair weather. I'll keep you up to date. All right. I'll keep you up to date. All right. We had, um, we had someone check out our apartment, and the earthquake didn't affect us in terms of nothing's broke or anything from what they've said. All right. That's good. That's, that's good to hear. And, I'm, and, and when I... When I heard, I mean, when, the first thing the first thing I did when I saw the news, Salt Lake City was hit. The first thing I thought was, I had I have to call you. And, make <laughs> and sure. I appreciate that. I got the text message. I was like, oh shit, yeah, I probably should have let them know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I mean, oh my god, because I, I I for some reason I thought that you'd be I, you'd be back home by now. Yeah. I thought the wedding nope. was last weekend. Well, anyway, wish everybody the best for me, all right? I certainly will. Have a good one, Eric. I'll do what I can. Thanks, Jay. All right. Talk to you. Bye. Bye. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Federal Chronicles Radio Show with hosts Jason Cousineau and Eric Renderking Fisk. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website thefedorachronicles.com that's where you can find our past shows show notes and recent articles follow us on twitter facebook and instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms don't forget to join our group on facebook after you found it so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode facebook twitter and our email address fedorachronicle at google.com are great ways to drop us a line with comments and show topic suggestions. We might even read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, 
you get all that and a t-shirt or coffee mug. Terms and conditions apply. And thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. 12.5% of every sale goes directly into keeping this podcast and all the others on the Fedora Chronicles network on the air. That's Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme song for this show is Royal Flush by All of Music. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is edited and produced by Eric Render King Fisk. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2019-2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of Jason Cousineau, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chin up and your fedora on.